welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another faith-building message by Pastor David Entry. Faith comes by hearing and by hearing the Word of God. May your knowledge of Jesus Christ increase as you listen. Be blessed. Jesus, when he resurrected from the dead, he said, therefore he's not ashamed to call them brethren. And he said, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 12 and 13, he said, therefore I will sing praises. I'll declare your name to my brethren, and in the midst of the church, in the midst of the assembly, I will sing praises. So when we gather here and we are praising him, it's not some music interlude we are having. Actually, Jesus is in our midst singing praises to the Father. So a praiseless Christian is always, you can always doubt the authenticity of a praiseless Christian. Because Jesus, he said, I will sing praises in the midst of the congregation. We are, Bible says that you are a chosen generation. Say, I'm chosen. I'm chosen. If you believe you are chosen, say it like someone who believes you are chosen. I am chosen. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 8, he said, we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. Listen, in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, there was never once where you found a royal priest. You can find a royal prophet, but you could, there's never once you have a royal priest. The priesthood office was always separated from the royal office. So there's never once you have a royal priest. David was the one who came closest to it, but he was a royal prophet. He could not become a priest because to be a priest, it must be in your bloodline. And to be royalty, it must be in another bloodline. And so if you are in the, in the priestly family, you cannot be at the same time in the royal family. So as for prophets, it's general. God can call you from everywhere. But the priesthood office is Levitical tribe. So if you are born Levite, then you cannot be a king because the royal office, the kingly office is from, is through the, the, the tribe of Judah. And so if that's why it's, it, posed, it posed a conundrum when Jesus was a priest and at the same time a king. Because in Hebrews, he said, but Jesus is a priest. And but he's the, from the tribe of Judah, of which tribe Nothing about priesthood was said. So how come in Hebrews chapter 6 and chapter 7, it says that, but Jesus' priesthood is not according to the Old Testament priesthood. Jesus' priesthood is according to the order of Melchizedek. It's the Melchizedekian priesthood, uh-huh. not the Le- Levitical priesthood. And so he could afford to be said, called to be high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. He, was, he could afford to become 
a priest because he, even though he's not from the lineage of Levi, but he was from the lineage of Judah. And Judah, that's why Jesus is the, is the lion of the tribe of Judah. So if you are not part of the tribe of Levi, you can be a priest under the Old Testament. But there was a kind of priesthood that was higher than the Old Testament priesthood, which was, which was introduced before the Old Testament priesthood was actually introduced. It is called, in Hebrews chapter 7, it is called the Melchizedekan priesthood. And it's Melchizedek who met Abraham. When Abraham met Melchizedek, oh man, in Hebrews, and in the verse 6 and verse 7, it talks about when Abraham met, for this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. All right. And, but go on. Let's go on. To whom? Also, Abraham gave the, uh, the tenth, the tithe of all, uh, first being translated king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, meaning the king of peace. The, verse 3, let me show you something. We are going to verse 7 and verse 8. Without, uh, without, without father, without mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days or end of life. Who can this be? Because without mother, without father, he met Abraham. Abraham met him. Without mother, without father, uh, made like the son of man, remains priest continually. Those, the, Levit the Levitical, Levitical priesthood remains priest temporarily because death did not permit them to continue. So when you die, someone has to continue. But this one, he doesn't die. Now, go to the next one. Let me show you something. Now, consider how great this man was to whom even Abraham, the patriarch Abraham, Abraham, Abraham himself, who is the father of us all, Abraham gave tithe. Abraham paid tithe to him. But go to the next verse. Watch this. And indeed, those who are of the sons of Levi, say Levi. Levi. That's the Levitical priesthood. They were the ones authorized to receive tithe. Okay. Who, re who received the priesthood, having a commandment to receive the tithe from the people according to the law, that is from their brethren. So the Levites were the only people authorized. If you try to receive tithe, it's another Old Testament. You are, you are breaking the law because no one was allowed to be a priesthood. And priests were supposed to receive tithe and give sacrifices unto God. And so if you are not in the order, in the lineage of Levi, you cannot receive tithe. Now, so what this word is saying, is according to the law, they were authorized, commanded to receive tithe from the people who are the same as them. But because of their uh, uh, lineage, because of their birth and their office, they can receive tithe from the people. Watch this. Though they have come from the loins of Abraham. Watch this. The Levites, where did they come from? Do you not understand what it means? Because they were Abraham's seed. So that means that these tithe collecting officers, before they started collecting tithe, their father, they can't pay tithe their father because they are not greater than their father. They came from Abraham. So as it were, I mean, if Abraham should be paying tithe, Anyone Abraham is paying tithe to must be bigger than they themselves because they, they are subject to Abraham. So that's the argument here. Look at it. Put it back on the screen. Put it back on the screen quickly. It says that, go to the verse 6. That's what I said from the beginning. Verse 6. But he whose genealogy is not derived from them received tithe from Abraham and blessed he who had the promise. Abraham is the one who had the promise. And this one, who doesn't have the same source, love, lineage, like all these other guys who received tithe, he blessed Abraham. He received tithe and blessed him. And the Bible says, without contradiction, you must be bigger than someone you are trying to bless. That's what it said. Beyond all contradiction, the lesser is blessed by the better. 
So he's saying that Melchizedek is obviously better than Abraham. Because the lesser, without controversy, I mean, for you to come and say, I bless you, I'm blessing you, you must be of a higher spiritual order to be able to bless somebody. So he said, without controversy, the lesser is blessed by the better. So now, go to the next verse, let me show you verse 8. Here, mortal men receive tithe, but there he received tithe, of whom it is witness that he lives. And Jesus Christ is the priest after this order, and we are his brethren. In the same bloodline. And so in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he says that you are a chosen, you are very different. Yeah. You're not like the, 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 the Levites. You are a chosen generation. A, a what? A, a what priesthood? A How do you combine royalty and priesthood? You are a royal priesthood and a holy, a peculiar people, a holy nation, his own special kingdom, said a peculiar people. You, you, you are different. You are not normal. You are not ordinary. You are a peculiar people. Tell somebody, I'm, I'm peculiar. Amen. Tell somebody, we are peculiar people. Say somebody, we are peculiar people. If the person there is not saying it, look at someone else who looks peculiar. Tell the person, we are peculiar people. He said, a peculiar people. A peculiar people that you should sh- Why were we called? Show for the praise. Of him who has called us out of that darkness, the darkness, into his marvelous. So you can't be in his marvelous life and be praiseless. A prayer priesthood without praise, without praise, what's then is your usefulness? We have called, we have been called out of darkness into his marvelous life to show forth his praises. Does that make sense? When the Bible says that, Jesus said, I will praise you in the midst of... Because we are praising team. We are the praise team. Ah, we are the praise team. It doesn't matter what comes up, up, up against us, what happens around us. If they can't take our praise away because that's our nature. That Jesus is our senior brother. And we are royal priesthood. Royalty. Royalty. He's serious. And not just royalty, no one could have that title in the Old Testament. Royalty and priesthood. Not even David, the praiser. Not even David. He couldn't, he could not be a priest. Why? Because he wasn't from the tribe of Judah. And at that time, the tribe or the order of Melchizedek has not been reactivated. That the only one who could activate it was our senior brother. <laughs> Listen, all I'm trying to tell you is. Priesthood has to do with lineage, not feeling. Priesthood has to do with your lineage, your bloodline. That's why we take communion. It has to do with your bloodline, not your feelings. So I can't wait to get to Hebrews chapter 3. Therefore, holy brethren. He is not ashamed to call us brethren. Now he's telling us even what kind of brethren we are. Holy. Therefore, holy brethren. But before we became holy brethren, he had to suffer death. Verse 11 of Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, he said, For it is fitting for him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons to glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will sing praises. Again, I will put my trust in him. Again, he, here I am, and the children whom God has given me. Verse 14. 
I like the verse 14. Is it okay we all read the verse 14 together? Let's go. In as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Hallelujah. Because in as much as the children have partaken, the mere fact that you are a human being, you have partaken of mortality, flesh and blood. Flesh and blood is not eternal. Flesh and blood is temporal. So because flesh and blood is temporal, flesh and blood is subject to death. And in as much as then as the children were, have partaken, have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared he didn't partake it in the same way, but he shared in the same. The only way you partake of flesh and blood is you got to get a natural mother and a natural father. He partook in flesh and blood, but without a natural father. That's the difference. So he didn't, he actually, he didn't partake in flesh and blood. He shared in flesh and blood. Two different Greek words. He shared. He took a share of it. He took a share. So he shared in flesh and blood. Why? Because he needed some. Someone needed to die. But anytime, it's like a rabbit, uh, a lion sees a rabbit. When a lion sees a rabbit, what does he think? Yes, meals. This is good meals. Good meals. When the Satan sees any human being, says, another one subject to death. <laughs> as soon as you are born, he starts laughing. <laughs> subject to death. I have control over this one. I have control over this one. That's why Jesus could say, the prince of this world cometh, and he has no, he had no, nothing in me. John chapter 14, verse 28, 29, 30, somewhere. They said, the prince of this world, Satan is coming, and he has nothing in me. He can't, there's nothing in me that will give Satan a hold for my life. So anytime someone is born and shows up, Satan, ha, 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 I've got another one. Yes. One more. I'm going to torment. I'm going to put under pressure and eventually kill, eventually subject and bring them into, into bondage of death of death, the power under the power of death, the force of death, the kratos of death. So Jesus also shared in the same. And Satan saw, he said, ah, that's another rabbit. <laughs> but what he didn't know, that this one had what it took to defy death. Because as I taught you last week, the sting of death is sin. As long as there's no sin in you, death can't sting you. When, we, when you die, you can't remain dead. That's why he said that, for it is not possible that the grave, he should be held by the grave. I think in Acts chapter 2, somewhere verse 27, 28, somewhere there, he said, for you will not suffer your holy one to see corruption. And he said, for it is not possible that for you will not leave my soul in hell, I will not leave you, uh, sorry, your holy one to see corruption. And then somewhere there, from there, it talks about, it's not possible that he should be held by the grave. It wasn't possible that the grave should hold Jesus. Why? Because there was no sin in him. There was no sin in him. So then, he looks like a, a, he looked like something Satan would like to kill. But it kind of was a trap for Satan. He brought the death on him, and then Jesus said, "Welcome death." Then he dealt, he conquered death, death. And for the first time, death. Satan who had the power of death, who was using the power, the force, the kratos of death, the force of death the influence, the, the might of death. Satan was using it to subject people to futility or to control people. The Bible said that for the first time, Jesus 
took it from him. He destroyed him. He rendered him powerless. He rendered him null and void. That's remember last week. I was talking, Jesus rendered him. So the Bible talks about 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10, how Jesus Christ has brought life and immortality to light, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death. You see, that, 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 that phrase, abolished death. Shall we all say it? We say it again. So that phrase, abolished death, Death is the same thing who destroyed him who has the power of death. The same thing. So he has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light. And how do you get it? It comes through the gospel. So if you don't hear the gospel, you can't get it. But that's another subject for another time. Oh, I remember Titus chapter 1 when he spoke about, um, oh, Titus chapter 1, he has given, God has given from verse 1 to 3, God called us and he has given us hope, all right, through the gospel. And he said that uh, God has hidden this thing in the beginning and has now entrusted it to us to preach it. The salvation is amazing. When you go try and read Titus, Titus is an amazing text. All right, so he said, Jesus Christ did this. And then so he abolished death or he destroyed he who has the power of death. Verse 15 says that, and release, say release. Say release. release. Say release. release. Release means that set free. Okay? Set free or, or yield or give over. So he released us from what was controlling us. He released us. He released those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Subject to bondage. Subject to Satanic harassment. Bondage means that something that has not, you don't have uh, freedom. You are bound. You are bound. Guess what, brothers and sisters? Fear can destroy so many things in your life. It didn't say through the power of death, but fear of death, just the fact that you are afraid of death, it makes you subject to bondage. So Jesus Christ came to release us. So we are free not to fear death. 1 Corinthians 15, 56. Oh, death, where is your sting? Where is your power, oh, death? Oh, death, 55. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, haste, where is your victory? Because Jesus took it away. And, okay, let me, let me show you something. That same text, let's read down there. Verse, verse, verse 56. Look at this. I'll show you something. Verse 56. It said, the sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. Verse 57. Now, watch this. Sometimes we, this text is connected to what he's been talking about, the death. The fifth seven said, let's all read it together. Let's go. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through Christ Jesus, through our Lord Jesus Christ. So God gives us the victory. We are talking about victory over death. That doesn't mean that when you are born again, you will not die. You actually don't. You sleep, as I'll show you. You sleep. So when you go, you say, good night, we meet in the morning. Good night, we meet in the morning. Morning means when we wake up in his face. He says that, behold, what manner of love the Father has given unto us, that we should be called the sons of God. First John chapter 3, verse 1. And he said that we should be called the son of, sons of God. Verse 2 says that, but the world does not know us, because the world first they didn't know. Behold, but now we are the children of God, and it has not yet been appeared uh, what we shall be. But we know that when, we, uh, when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. So when we wake up in the morning and we see him, we shall just be like him. Our, our vile bodies will be transformed into the glorious 
body of Christ. Hallelujah. And so we go to bed, Christians sleep, and because we have overcome death, Jesus Christ died and rose. The Bible says that he said, uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, or verse 17 and 18, said, I am he, behold, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Oh, grave, where is your power? Oh, death, where is your sting? I've got the keys of Hades. So Satan can't use death to intimidate a Christian any longer. A Christian who knows who he is. A Christian who understands his royalty status and his priesthood status. Satan cannot use death to intimidate you again. Shall I am free. I am free. Does that make sense when the Bible says in John chapter 8, verse 56, verse 36, that he who the sun sets free. <laughs> say, I'm actually free. I'm say it properly like someone who is free. If you know you are no more in bondage, say, I'm free. I'm free. It's interesting, Romans chapter 8, verse 15, Romans chapter 8, verse 15, talks about how, verse 14 and 15, talks about how, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage. Does that word sound familiar? Bondage. Who, through the fear of death, all their lifetime have become subject to bondage. He said, you did not receive the spirit of bondage again because that's where you are coming from. So don't fear. Oh, say, I'm not afraid anymore because I am not subject to bondage. Sickness is bondage. Poverty is bondage. Depression is bondage. Anything that takes away your ability to live life the way you should is bondage because Jesus said, I came that you might have life and have it in fullness. If you don't have anything that stops you from living life the way you should, is bondage. And you are not subject to bondage. So sometimes you can take your medical report and look at it and smile and say, I'm not subject to bondage. Others can look at this and cry, but you won't cry. Why? Because you are not subject to bondage. Tell somebody, I'm not subject to bondage. Why are you not subject to bondage? Hebrews chapter 2 verse 15. Because Jesus Christ died and released. He released us. He said, and released those who through fear of death. I'm not afraid of dying. I'm not afraid of death because I'm not dying now. Jesus said that you can't kill me. I choose to lay down my life and I'll pick it up again. That's the status he has brought us in. Listen, may I say this to you? It's going to be a very powerful statement I'm about to make. Powerful statement. I pray that God, the Spirit of God will enlighten your understanding for your spirit to get this. You can choose when you want to die as a believer. Amen. As a believer, you can choose when you want to die. This is profound. A lot of people people may not get this. I pray the Holy Spirit will help you. You can choose when you want to die as a believer. Most of us live life too ordinarily because the end, so we suffer what ordinary people suffer. You must know your status. Walk with that consciousness and speak alike. Doesn't matter how grim things may look, you can choose. No, you see, see, Jesus said, why are you so fearful? That's what Jesus asked them when they were in the boat and the boat was filling with water and they were in jeopardy. (laughs) <laughs> they said, sir, we must we perish. We perish. In Luke chapter 5, verse 8, verse 25, Jesus said, why are you so fearful, O ye of little faith? And yesterday I was trying to explain, we are so fearful because we, 
because of our estimation of the challenge that is bringing us, that is threatening our lives. So most of us, if you can evaluate things properly, you will see that what I'm saying, there's truth in it. Because there are a lot of people, how old is the Duke of Edinburgh? How old is he? So what makes you think that you will die before 70? It's a choice. He just is living based on medical mercies. But you, you can live based on grace and based on, watch this, watch this, based on revelation. Yes. What has been revealed to you about your status can keep you going. You can overcome sickness. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Pastor, what you are saying, I don't agree because if Jesus has done it, why is it that some Christians are always sick? And it's their choice. It's their choice. It's up to you what to make of the grace. We all are saved by grace. So once you are saved, you see, the same grace that saves us is the same grace that heals us. Yeah. Read your Bible. He says that who forgives all your iniquities not just that, and heals. So if your iniquities can be forgiven, then, then your, your, your sickness can be healed. Your disease can be healed. In Mark chapter 2, they brought a man who was paralyzed. And Jesus looked at the man. He said, son, your sins be forgiven. Rise up and walk. And they were saying in their eyes, who is this man to be forgiven? And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, he said, which one is easier? <laughs> to say your sins be forgiven or to say rise up and walk. For you, for, for you all to know that the son of man has power to say, he said, he said so, but that they may all know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, all right, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed and go your way. Go to your house. And what happened? Immediately. 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 Immediately he arose, took up his bed, and went out in the presence of them all. So they all were amazed and glorified, saying, We have never seen anything like this. Yeah, you are not you, you are you are yet to see more. Now, why did I quote this text? What was Jesus' first response to the man? He said, Your sins be forgiven. And the people were having problems. Who is this guy to forgive sins? No man can forgive sins but God. But who is he to forgive sins? And no, the man is sick. So his medication is looking for. He's not pardoning, he's looking for. But there is a correlation between sin and sickness, between sin and death. So Jesus looked at, put it on a train. Jesus looked, looked at the man and then he said, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, the man, the, the sick person of the priority, son, your sins are forgiven. Listen, I'm looking for healing. You are telling me sins are forgiven. It's just like a doctor. You go and someone comes, or you go to the doctor, say, what's wrong with you? He said, doctor, I couldn't sleep. I feel so dizzy and blah, blah, blah. My legs can't walk anymore and blah, blah, blah. He said, don't worry. Your sins are forgiven. Oh, come on. What are... Give me diagnosis and give me medication. I tell him, Jesus said, your sins. Now, watch this. The argument here is that the person is sick. Why did he say your sins are forgiven? That tells you there's a correlation between yes. sickness and sin. In John chapter 9, they brought someone who was born blind. Jesus Christ's disciple asked him, Sir, whose, whose sin is it that this man was born blind? Because he has not sinned, but he was born blind. So are you saying, is it his parents that sinned or him? Because he was born in that condition. If, you are, if sin is what makes people sick, then this guy, before he, was, he could sin, he was sick. Jesus said, so you don't understand. John chapter 9, he says that, that the glory of the Lord may be revealed. 
than the glory of the Lord. So it was a common knowledge that there is a correlation between sickness and sin. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it talks about how Jesus Christ, who himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we, having died to sin, might live to righteousness. And what, what did he say? By whose stripes we are healed. There's a, there's a connection between healing and sin. So if your sins have been forgiven, then it starts to imply that your sicknesses must also be healed. Yeah. If you believe that you are sinless, in other words, God has cleared you of your past sin and you are working with him clean, then you should also believe that you must be sicknessless. Amen. Why am I teaching on healing? It's for somebody. Amen. It's the same thing. So Jesus Christ died and abolished death and then released us who through fear of death, fear of sickness. I told you that, I, I explained verse 9 of Hebrews chapter 2, I explained what that death is. The, the, uh, the funeral is the, is the final straw. But death, incipient death, starts creeping on us. So we, get, we began dying in all kinds of different ways, like lack of productivity, sickness, like poverty, like frustration, depression, you know, diseases. These things are the forms of death. I explained it in verse 9, when we got to verse 9 of chapter 2. They are all forms of death, incipient death, different types. But it's death in the making. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. But so if Jesus has released us from the power of death, that means that it has released us from the power of death and its brothers. All it, the elements of death. The, all kind, the little, little, little signs of death. He says, we have power. So, but why is it that it doesn't happen automatically? No, it happens by faith. You have to appropriate it. Even to be saved, you have to believe to be saved. Yes. Didn't he die for us? Yes, he died for us. But it takes your faith to receive your salvation. So once you have received your salvation, you must know who you are and then begin to release your faith to know that I am a healed man. Amen. I'm a heal am I talking to someone who is healed? Yeah. Listen, you can choose to evacuate or God, get that sickness out of your body before the end of the service. Yeah. How does that happen? By your faith. Because unless you don't believe, you've been forgiven. Because if God could forgive, do you know it's more difficult to forgive sins than to heal? Show me any doctor who can forgive your sins. No man can forgive sins. That's why the Pharisees had a problem. These guys were astute theologians. They understand study of God. So they're wondering, but who is this guy who could forgive sins? Because he had deity. It takes deity to forgive sins. Because forgiveness of sin is a big thing. So if your sins have been forgiven, then that starts to imply that your healing has also been released. Amen. Shout, I believe. I believe. Let me finish the verse. So he's released that. Now, verse 16 is a very interesting text. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16. He said, it's not for angels he died for. Mm. No, it says that, for indeed, he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. He gives aid to human beings, not to angels, not to angels. So he didn't come as an angelic being. Because remember verse 14, in as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he also likewise shared in the same, not angelic nature. Because angels can save men. And he didn't have to come as an angel. I'm going to explain why. He couldn't come as an angel and save us. Number one, because angels don't die. And whoever must save us, the captain of our salvation, must first taste death. 
The word Bible used the word taste death. Verse 9 of Hebrews chapter 2. That he might taste. Verse 9 of Hebrews. Put verse 9 on the screen, please. Verse 9. Said, but we see Jesus, who, has, who was made little lower than the angels. Why? For the sake of death, okay? For the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Standing for you. You don't have to taste it. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, so it's not to angels. He has put all things in subjection. But it's to man. He originally created us and put everything in our subjection. And we lost it because Satan came, made us sin. And as soon as sin came in, it allowed, used, they took advantage of Genesis chapter, Genesis chapter 2 verse 17. What does it say? It said, by the, of the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. Why? For in the day you shall eat of it, you shall shoot. This is God speaking. God said, if the day you, the, 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 not tomorrow, the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. Satan said, uh-huh. uh-huh. So when they ate of it, he knew death was coming and he took advantage of the death and took hold of the force of death. And from Adam, Bible says, ah, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Romans 5, the scriptures keep coming. And I want to move forward. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. He said that, so one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. And thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Through one man, death spread to all. Death. So you were born dead. You were dead on arrival. That's why as soon as you, you are born, you start dying. You cry first, then you start dying. <laughs> Even if you don't want to cry, they'll, they'll beat you. <laughs> and after you die, after you die and your all this um, body rots, then you begin to smile permanently. Have you ever seen any skeleton crying? They always... I'm happy, I'm done, I'm going out of this. But we Christians, we, that's why righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Ghost. We don't wait to die for death to smile because we have power over death. Paul said that for me to die is gain. Can you imagine? Philippians chapter 1 verse 21. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. He calls death gain. Death is gain? Yes. Because our, the captain of our salvation has overcome death. He has overpowered powered death. And he has the keys of death and death. Shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> and so because of that Adam's sin and sin came in and death passed to all men and Bible says that, watch this this is very important death passed on all men so death had control on all, of, on all men Jesus had also had to become like us so he can taste death for all of us and then and then destroy Satan disengage Satan destroy Satan who has had the power the Kratos the power of death he was using it against us Jesus had to die and then face him in death and deal with him, and the grave could not hold him, and just get, get back up, and he said, let's die, joking my brothers. And he said, hey, now, man, you have brothers. Now. The Bible calls him, Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, he's the firstborn from the dead. He's the firstborn. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5. Bible calls Jesus the firstborn. And Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from where? The dead. He was the first to come out from the dead. And I said, my brothers, I've paved the way for you. Here comes the bride. Off you go. Shout hallelujah. <laughs> Watch this. And he said, it is not to angels he died for. It's not to angels he gave the help, but to the sons of Abraham. Now, why? Why did he give help to with humanity? Why? Because he had to do that. Because he couldn't. Watch this. Verse, verse 17. That's what. Therefore, because he came to give us help. Someone say, therefore. therefore. Say, therefore. therefore. Oh, say it like you mean it. Therefore, therefore, oh, 
in how many things? In how many things? In all things, he had to be made like his brethren. You see, these brethren keep appearing. Yeah. Brethren, 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 brethren. Brethren, 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 we are the assembly. We are the many sons of God. He says to bring many sons into glory. And then we are the, the brethren he's not ashamed of. He's not ashamed to call us brethren. So he said, he said that, therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren. Why? That he, this is from the beginning, this is all where I've been trying to get to. He so that he might be a, first of all, merciful. Say mercy. Mercy. Say mercy. mercy. Sometimes your little child spills something and I mean actually spill milk onto your computer and you are so crazy and the child begins, please, begins to cry. Do you have mercy? You don't have to even do it. Don't worry, don't worry. Don't come, come, boy, don't worry. It's done wrong, but the child even feels. One of the things I don't like is for a child to begin to um, beat himself or herself so down because I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not good enough. No! Who told you you're not good? I'm not good enough. I'm always wrong. No, no, you're not always wrong. You're always right. You're the best. You're the best. Come on, cheer up. And so sometimes a child is beating down herself or himself and you are operating as someone, a merciful parent. Or they are wrong, but because you don't want it to affect their self-esteem, you just overlook it and just encourage them. The report comes from school and it was so bad. And they are crying and they feel like they're not asked for me and I'm not doing well. I don't know what. And your mom, you are not happy because your child is failing. But I tell them, Johnny, don't worry. Johnny, don't worry. You are best. You are good in some. Don't worry. You're not. You're, that's a merciful father, a merciful mother because you know how it feels to, to be so down. And sometimes when people are down, the last thing they want is someone to knock them. That's why I am very, I always tell Christians, be careful how you judge other Christians you have seen in a fault. Because when Christians, and a genuine Christian is down, the last thing he wants is to someone to come and tell him, you are, you see, why are you lying? He knows I've lied. I want to sort this thing out. Stop telling me, why am I lying? If you lie, you know, stop telling me I'm going. I need someone to tell me that Jesus can forgive me. Jesus has forgiven me. Jesus is going to help me. Shout hallelujah. And I'm going to show you in the verse 18 how he's also able to succor. It's a sucker. There is a sucker in Jesus. That means help. Shout help. Help. Hmm. So Bible says that. No, go, go back. Let me finish the verse 17. Go back. Let me finish. Therefore, he, in all things, he had to be made like his brothers, that he might be a merciful. Two qualifications. A merciful. In other words, if he hadn't been made like us, there's no way he could sympathize with us. He couldn't sympathize with us. You can ask him, you can ask God, but what does God know? about being a human being. He said, oh yeah, I've been there. I've been there. He was in all things, he was made like us. So he was very much like us, but for one thing, the sin we have, he didn't have it. So in all things, he was made like us so that he can tell us, listen guy, I've been there. I know what it means. And when you are beating yourself down because you feel that, you know, how many of you, when you, is it when you are a genuine Christian, sometimes when you sin, you feel like God should kill you. Especially a certain type of sin, you made vow to God that God, I will never do this again. I will never. Lord, the next time I do it, kill me. Let something in my body switch off. Let something happen. Let me be blind. Let something. How many of you have felt like that before? And then it doesn't take one week. <laughs> and then when that happens, guess what? You don't even want to come to church. You don't even want to come to church because I don't. No, 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 no. That's when you should come to church and eat communion. In everything, he was made like his brethren. In everything. That, watch this, 
that he might be so that he might be a merciful, merciful. Watch this. This is very important. Humanity affords him mercy to be merciful. His deity affords him to be faithful. Because to be merciful is just a condition of the heart. To be faithful has to do with an ability you must have. He has to have the ability to be able to stand before God on our behalf. The ability to... There's a text in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9. It says that if we confess our sins, and he uses that word again, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Faithful, say faithful. faithful. Say faithful. faithful. He had to be like us in everything that he might be first of all merciful. Merciful in other words. Ah, does that make sense when Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 says that? Therefore, let's, let's, let's all read it aloud, okay? From verse 15 and 16, there's something in there. From 15, let's go from verse 15. Are you ready to read it aloud? Let's go, let's go. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize? Pause. Did you see that? He sympathizes with our weakness. He's a priest who sympathizes with our weakness. Because in the first place, every priest must be appointed from men. You can't be a priest if you are not a man to represent men. No. That's why he has to be like us so that he can be a merciful high priest. In the, we will come back and continue that reading. But in Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 5, verse 1. Put it on the screen for me, please. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed for men. So you must be taken from amongst men to be appointed for men in things pertaining to God that he may offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. So for you to be a high priest, you must be one of them. How come an angel become a priest for us? No, he's not one of us. So Jesus had to be like us in everything so that he can qualify to be a high priest. Does that make sense? And so in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says that, for we do not have a high priest who cannot, be, who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in, in all points tempted as we are. The only difference is that he yet without sin. That's why, watch this, that is why he can have mercy on us. That's why he can sympathize with us. Because he's been there. Is someone get what I'm teaching? He can sympathize with us. There's never a time, listen to me, let me say this. There should be never a time as a Christian for you to think that you've done something so wrong, God can't forgive you. That's Satan talking to you. That's Satan talking to you. And so please, you too, a Christian, never join Satan in accusing a Christian that asked for this one. You don't have this. You, Satan is the only one who is called the accuser of the brethren. In Revelation chapter 11, somewhere verse 9, 10, 11, he said that this Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. He accuses the brethren regularly. He said, God, look at this one. He's worshiping. How can this such a person be worshiping? In the book of Revelation chapter 11 or chapter 12, he says that I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren, the accuser, who accuses them before God day and night, has been cast down. The accuser. Satan is the accuser. That's his job. Why must you, a Christian, take Satan's position? You are busy. This one cannot speak in tongues because this one, this one, look at you. You look at her and look at you. Share earth because he has a merciful and a 
faithful high priest who can sympathize with his weakness who can sympathize with his weakness does that mean we should sin that grace may abound god forbid that's not if you're a christian sin is distasteful in your mouth that's why when you sin you don't want someone to come and tell you hey woe unto you because already this the thing is so disgusting distasteful you don't like it but maybe you struggle so you don't like it. You want to hear someone to tell you there is hope. Rise up. Be strong. Rise up. The blood of Jesus. Listen, he said, and the blood of Christ cleanses us from all sins. All, not some. All sins. The blood. God made provision for a holy detergent. <laughs> my, my, my dress is dirty, so I'm going to throw it in the bin. Oh, no. Take it to laundry. It to be washed. It to be fine. This world is called the gospel. Good news. Now listen. Even when you were a sinner, Romans chapter five says that even whilst verse eight, even whilst we were yet sinning, Christ, you haven't stopped sinning, no. Whilst you were yet, Christ died for us. That's how God demonstrated His love. For God demonstrated His love towards us in that whilst we were still sinners. You hadn't stopped sinning. You were still sinners. Christ died for you. Now that you are not classified as a sinner before God, but you find yourself in sin, is that when he can't sort you out? He can't help you? Even when you were a foreigner, an alien, they were giving you aid and food. Now that you are a citizen, are you trying to say they won't give you food? <laughs> so hallelujah! hallelujah. <laughs> that he might be a merciful. Let me finish on the Hebrews chapter 14, the one that we should write. Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. Bible says that, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we yet without sin. Verse 16. Let's all read verse 16 on the screen. Let's go. He said, don't forget, when you're reading the Bible, you come across the word therefore. Pause to think about what that therefore is therefore. He says that on the grounds of the fact that we have a faithful and a merciful high priest, he said, let us therefore come boldly. Before the throne of grace, at the high priest, and in those days, if a priest goes before God and has sinned with him, they'll be struck death. But even, hey, in even that one, in the Exodus chapter 25, verse 17, when they, they, God made the Ark of the Covenant, watch this, it's very interesting. In the tabernacle was the holy outer court, and then we have the inner court. Then in the inner court, we have the holies of holies. And holies of holies, no one goes there apart from high priest once a year. And in the holies of holies, do you know what's there? Nothing but the Ark of the Covenant. And in the Ark of the Covenant, do you know what's inside? We have manna in the pot. We have the Aaron's bad priesthood. Aaron's bad, the choice priesthood of God. Aaron's uh, rather bad. And then we have the Ten Commandments. The commandments God gave. It's in, those three things are inside. And inside the Ark of the Covenant, these three objects are there. And on top of it, there is a lid to cover it. And the lid that covers it, you know what's called? On each side of that lid, there is cherubim and seraphim. Angels guarding it. And on that thing... Watch this, this is very serious. On the lid that covers the Ark of the Covenant, which has the commandment, the rod, and the golden man, uh, manna inside, on that lid is called the mercy seat. So mercy seat is not a chair. 
Mercy seat is the lid that covers the whatever the content of the covenant. So that before you can even reach, God can deal with you. It passes through mercy and was dealing with them. So the high priest, the high priest will go once in a year. Watch this. The high priest will go once in a year to offer the, the blood of the animal that is covering them. Pour the blood on the mercy seat. And Bible says, without the, the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. So when God sees the blood, he said, I'll pass over. When God sees the blood, I'll pass over. But that one was temporal. And Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, he says that in all things, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, sir, in all things, he was made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and a faithful high things, a high priest, in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins. Propitiation was made. Watch this. Propitiation was made on the mercy seat. That's when you said, take the blood and put the blood on the mercy seat. And when he sees the blood, he said, I've taken care of their sins. I cannot relate with them. And so he had to be a high priest so that his blood can be speaking on your behalf in heaven to cover you so that sin cannot say, sickness cannot say, because of your sin, I have to stay. You can tell sickness because of my righteousness, you don't have grounds here. Shout hallelujah. Mercy. Mercy. The mercy seat, the seat of mercy. He says that, therefore, let us come boldly before the throne of grace. Obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Did you learn something at all? Thank you for listening. To hear more from David Entry, Follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Why don't you subscribe to our YouTube channel at Caris Church and subscribe to our podcast so you are always up to date. Be blessed.